1: Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor and the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We're also on Dash Radio on their Nothing but Net channel every single weeknight at 7 p.m. Also, make sure you check out Five Reasons YouTube. Hit like and subscribe. You'll get before the floor, an hour before every game. Post up 5R as soon as the game ends and plenty of programming during the day. And 5 Make sure you spell that one out for the latest takeaways from Brady Hawk and others without a paywall. Also, check out the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. I mentioned our product code all the time. It's 5-R-S-N. That's the number 5-R-S-N. If you're looking for premium CBD, whether it's the sports cream, the tincture, the gummies, it's therapistpreferred.com. Again, 5-R-S-N gets you 25% off. And if you're an endurance athlete or simply you sweat, you swim, you bike, anything like that, you run, check out getsalis.com. That's G-E-T-S-A-L-I-S.com. Get getsalis.com and you'll get 10% off. So 25% off at therapistpreferred.com, getsalis.com at 10 percent off 5 rsn is the code and now tonight's episode
2: Down
3: to uh, five on the floor ride for my dogs where is the game? you can check the score
2: hustle hard couple scars rain bubble frogs just like but they say you in trouble
3: y'all kept the floor playing got a all day y'all seen the block stop the one here
0: welcome to five on the floor a daily insider show on the miami heat and the nba featuring ethan skolnick greg sylvander and alex toledo plus others from the five reason sports network
2: welcome back to five on the floor i'm your host greg sylvander Tonight's floor plan with me, Alex Toledo, who you can follow at Tropical Blanket on Twitter, and Brady Hawk, who you can follow at Brady Hawk 305 on Twitter. Um, we are going to do a number of things. First, uh, the normal primary host of this show, Five on the Floor, uh, tweeted, Ethan Skolnick, um, tweeted a series of things that were related to reporting uh, after speaking to multiple people around the organization inside and out. We want to uh, deliver that to you guys just in the event that you weren't on Twitter today so that you get the opportunity to hear it. Uh, We will react to that as well. Um, Then we're going to do something cool where we uh, really lean into our off the floor subscribers. Shout out to y'all, by the way. constant interaction with y'all is super cool. We see every single reply and uh, we asked for topic suggestions tonight and we're actually going to flip the script. And instead of doing topic suggestions, we're going to read all the questions you guys asked, stuff like that, get to as many as we possibly can without it becoming redundant and, uh, and interact with you guys. Um, again, just for anybody who hasn't um, uh, heard about it yet off the floor is a premium subscription feed where you essentially, uh, sign up for uh, text messages from Brady, Alex, Ethan, and I, whether it be inside information that we get as we get into close to draft and free agency right now it's a lot of game analysis and uh, things we're hearing lineup wise and just, um, you know, also just straight up basketball talk at times. Uh subscribe you know what i mean you get to interact with us as well we're we're growing it rapidly so it'll probably ever it'll be evolving and changing three dollars and five cents a month 14 day trial uh so check that out 305 is what we're charging because obviously we are following that team from the 305 but check out off the floor uh it's a super dope thing done through win app uh, or uh, winnow excuse me that app so let's get into first the reporting and i'm just going to read through it and then and then we'll react alex i guess i'm gonna start with you um just so you can start to gather your thoughts so this is from ethan skolnick at, at 1 11 pm today uh some reporting after speaking with multiple people inside and outside the miami heat organization about events of the last week previously shared on our off the floor thread plug Eric Spolstra had extensive conversations with key heat veterans prior to making the lineup change. The change was as Spolstra said last week, designed to free up the key players with more space, but he also used it as an opportunity to improve overall communication. Spolstra and Butler have also spoken frequently since the sideline incident about a number of issues on and off the floor. The conversations are characterized by multiple sources as productive and healthy after the two have struggled with direct communication this season. Huh? The the sideline incident, while not something the organization wanted, was a rare time this season that the communication was that clear and open. The organization still strongly supports Butler, even while acknowledging he, like many stars in Heat history, have difficult moments. There have been other issues behind the scenes this season that did not involve Butler, but the team believes it has a handle on those. Also finally, after speaking to multiple people, I don't believe Victor Oladipo will be counted on much in the playoffs as we and the organization previously thought he's a well-liked and appreciated for his work, but I'd expect to see more Gabe Vincent. There we go, y'all. So I thought that there were lots of good points of clarification there. I think that it's um, important to acknowledge that Jimmy and Spolstra did have some stuff that needed to be ironed out. I think we all kind of were like tap dancing around that a little bit. It's nice to not have to do so as much anymore as Ethan kind of uh, put it in plain sight. Alex, what were your key takeaways from those reports today? I know that we've been kind of sitting on some stuff and off the floor, you guys have had it even er earlier, but like ultimately like uh, what are your thoughts on those reports? And uh, particularly I'm interested to hear what you think about the Spolstra Jimmy aspects of it?
3: That's exactly what I was gonna comment on too, is because that was the one that was most eye opening to me. The fact, or you know, the kind of what was implied there was that there's kind of been multiple incidents of passive aggressiveness or passive aggression. I don't know what's the right word, word that between Spo and Jimmy, and uh, I know Ethan has has kind of alluded in in past years. He's been saying this for. For years, <laughs> but, but uh, I think Spo at one point, and this is kind of, he would say this about the big three era towards the end with a lot of those veterans that he had trouble commu- with uh, communication. And, and I think they did, a lot of these veterans didn't like the way that Spo was kind of throwing him around, throwing them around different lineups and uh, always playing with their minutes. Like I, I, he took Shane Batty completely out of the rotation uh, during that long playoff run in 2014 before they got smacked by the Spurs in the finals. So obviously that was a long time ago at this point, damn near a decade. I don't know if that is a, is a similar type of thing as to what's going on here with Jimmy, whereas like maybe sometimes Spo needs to be a little bit more direct with some of these guys. But it's obviously a different um, type of dynamic because Jimmy is a star player. He's a franchise player, as opposed to some of what was going on with the Richard Lewis's, the Ray Allen's and the Mike Miller's of the world guys at the end of their career. I just thought it was weird and eye opening uh, to hear that because, Uh, And I know that that would hint we you you and Ethan have been hinting at some of that stuff uh, privately. But I just think it's it's crazy because all the talk has been since he's been here is how they're so open to confrontation and talking and communication. And they're not afraid of going at each other. So to hear that this like whole thing about passive aggression is like that doesn't really ride with all the stuff that they've been talking about for three seasons. I get you get to the third season. There's gonna be, you know, it's a, it's a very long season, right? They've gone through a lot in these three seasons, a lot of weird circumstances, and uh, this year they've been really successful. But that's why it's kind of been weird to me that there's been more than one, you know, so many incidences like like Ethan kind of pointed at with between Jimmy and Spo. I'm glad that they, you know, apparently worked it out and talked things through, but uh, that didn't stand. It, it didn't match up with everything we've been hearing for the past few seasons with Jimmy and Spo.
2: Yeah, no, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, I ultimately thought it was a positive development in terms of clarification of information, but um, Spolstra and Butler, that's an ongoing scenario that I think we're just going to have to continue to monitor um, as those guys, um, you know, just continue to find ways to communicate. I think that the the Depot, Markeith, um thing really kind of threw the team off in general. Uh, But before we get into further X's and O's and anything, uh, Brady, I want to start with this question, but I want your overall thoughts as well. Um, Take your analysis hat off. You are now in the space where you're now um, getting text messages, where you're hearing about different information, et cetera. But you were a Heat fan prior to like ever doing five reasons sports network content, Correct.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, yeah. nodding
2: his head, yes.
4: I was trying to unmute, but... Gotcha,
2: cool, cool, cool. Um, as a fan, like, how have you, how have the ups and downs of this last few, because I know for me, it's been like kind of a bummer to like, feel like some some stuff could be off all of a sudden. And then obviously you think that things can be turned around. How is, how have you experienced it as a fan, not as somebody who's, you know, trying to analyze the game necessarily. Um, I'm interested for that part of it and then just overall, like kind of what you took away from the reports from Ethan today.
4: Yeah. I feel like as a fan, it's just like unpredictable stuff because, uh, Every season's like a roller coaster, but this one where it's just been a lot of highs of when they've kind of peaked it's been without main guys. Uh and I think for a lot of fans these four games were eye-opening in a lot of ways where it wasn't just on-court stuff but the the things that you didn't think were problematic with like Alex all the things he was just talking about with Spo and Jimmy that it always felt like everything was perfect and even if they did go at each other it was never going to be any bad blood. Uh that any of this was occurring behind the scenes, I guess. That's kind of where I stood on that, that uh, it is eye-opening. I think it is a good thing that – I think we both said after that game that it was – you know, this could go in one one of two ways. Uh, It could either go – be the start of a downhill slope or it could open some things up to head in the right direction. I think this stuff means that it's heading in the right direction, that they were able to talk it out so soon. Uh, And it seems like with the stuff he was reporting on, to transition to that, that – it led into these changes like that. That's what led in. If he said right here about the opportunity to improve overall communication, the reason they were able to improve that communication was because yeah. of the the lineup changes and the schematic changes. Uh, so I think the first thing that stood out to me overall uh, was that part of it, that they were kind of, he went to Jimmy and Kyle and, and bam to some sorts uh, to figure out the spacing, uh, which I think is important. Like this wasn't just a coaching matter where they kind of team up and try to figure out what to do uh, that players were involved. That, I think, ties into the Depot part at the end of what he said with uh, Gabe's kind of slotting back in. I think these veterans, when you think back to when they, let's just say when they peaked, but I, I don't know exactly when their peak was, but when they were peaking, when guys were out and they were playing really well, it was Kyle Lowry, it was Tyler Hero, and it was a lot of these guys like Gabe Vincent, Max Shoes, and Caleb Martin. And I think when you're seeing the things that are happening, uh, I even think to the last game I went to ask Tyler about the differences between playing next to game and Victor Oladipo. And the first thing he said was when he plays next to Victor, he's just trying to get him going. And I think that says a lot, like he's not just playing and he's not just whooping next to game Vincent. Like he wasn't that stretch. Like now it's like, okay, Oladipo has been injured for this time. We all like Oladipo a lot. We know about their relationship off the court. So now it's like, we need to get this guy going into some type of rhythm. I think the thing here is that, uh, They just need to get them the whole team into a rhythm, not just one specific player. Uh, So I think that's an important thing. I think that ties into the top guys in this team talking with Spolster and kind of figuring out that uh, they need to kind of go back to what worked and figure it out from there. Uh, So I think it all ties in together, but obviously mainly it ties into what Alex was just touching on with with the Spo and Butler dynamic, that uh, this team's not going anywhere unless those two are aligned. Like if anything, uh, this I think is more important than anything we can discuss, you know, from this season.
2: Yeah, no, it, it absolutely hinges on Jimmy. And, um, you know, last night we saw him get back to his efficient ways. He scored 27 points. And um, had you taken the over on prize picks last night, you would have hit on Jimmy Butler's uh, points. I think they were at 21 and a half. Uh, going into that game, somewhere around there, so I'll tell you one uh, about one of the great sponsors of Five Reasons Sports Network and Five on the Floor, and that is Prize Picks, my favorite daily fantasy app. Um, prizepicks.com is where you go to get hooked up with them uh, but you can also download the app as well uh, it's really daily fantasy made easy One, two, three. you pick your favorite stars select anywhere between 2 and 5 regardless of sport you choose their over and under so prize picks will give you a bunch of different uh, stat props like points, assists, rebounds steals for basketball other stats for other sports obviously you pick whether the player is going to go uh, over or under the numbers provided so are they going to do well or have an off day and then you just watch the game see if you win the more you pick correctly the more you win so you can do things like the flex play or the power play if you do the power play you can predict the over or under on four players and win 10 times your entry fee um it's really that simple a hundred dollar entry would pay a thousand dollars like all you got to do is hit these entries um it is super fun, but you have to sign up with the code FIVE, F I V E. Why do you need that code? Because while using it, you'll get your deposit matched up to $100, your first initial deposit. That's using the code FIVE on prizepicks.com. Daily Fantasy Made Easy, the official daily fantasy partner of the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, y'all. Um, we went through Ethan's reporting. Um, If you guys have further comments on that, as we get through this episode, you know that we're going to go a little looser so if you need to slide something in, feel free, but uh, I am going to shift gears now to some of the stuff that we received from our off the floor subscribers we're going to just kind of rapid fire run through these and um, kind of give you our thoughts and uh, some will go longer than others we'll see how that goes. Uh, And there's also some information that can be shared as we go through here that maybe would further clarify some of what Ethan reported because I think there'll just be opportunities for us to for myself to clarify things as well so uh, here we go. Um, The first question came goals aspirations for the final stretch. Uh, Brady, I'll start with you here we don't need a dissertation necessarily. But uh, just, like, what are you looking for? If I had to say one thing, you got one thing that you um, want to set as a primary aspiration for this final stretch, what is it?
4: I think it's the offense, how it looked yesterday, see it down the stretch of the season. Like, as much as we could sit here and talk about how great it looked in the in the lineups, uh, it was the Sacramento Kings, and it wasn't even a healthy Sacramento Kings. Like, it, they were without Sabonis and Fox and all these other guys that I just think – uh, I'm sure we'll talk about this upcoming stretch. They play Boston, Chicago, and Toronto, which is, you know, a little bit tougher. Uh, I'm interested the first game they play Boston right here that can they, obviously without Rob Williams, but can they do the same type of spacing, figure things out offensively against one of the best defenses in the league? So that's kind of what I'm looking at. Uh, I think they can. the issue is that, which ties into this part is in the kind of the offensive lineups, uh, the reason they were working is they put Jimmy to the four and you kind of put more shooting out there. But the thing about this team is when you put more shooting out there, you're putting weaker defenders out there. So if you're spacing yeah. out in both corners with two shooters, uh, a team like Boston with a guy, like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can pick on your weaker defenders. That If you have multiple out there, it may be tough. So I'm interested in that element of it that I think it's just it's more about a co- total continuation of that s- Sacramento game, kind of on mostly offensively.
2: I'm totally with you there, Alex, I'll give you the chance to also chime in on any goals, aspirations, but we're going to um, attach that to a question that uh, Brady alluded to because the first game on this trip is actually one of the most important ones. If you get this one, you are in really great shape, I feel like. like I th- I feel like it's a big one. Uh, and that's the Boston Celtics game that's approaching. Um, what can So this was also from one of our off-the-floor subscribers. What can the Heat do differently tomorrow to solve the riddle that is the Celtics? So um, you can sneak in your, your aspiration for these last few games here, but prim, primarily I'd like to pick your brain about what they're going to do differently tomorrow against this switch-heavy uh, Boston Celtics team that no longer has Robert Williams.
3: Yeah, for sure, and I wanted to kind of do that anyways. I wanted to loop the Celtics into the aspirations here because it would be really nice, you know, for the Heat to aspire to beat the Celtics tomorrow night. Uh, like, I'm sure they are. Like, I just think it's – it's besides the standings, it's a huge matchup for them. Like, they're not going to get the tiebreaker or anything like that by beating the Celtics. The the Celtics own that. But uh, I think getting a little bit of confidence and uh, by beating the Celtics would be nice for this team because, like what Brady was talking about there, la- last night was not – you know, it wasn't, they didn't even have the same amount of talent as like the teams that they were losing to last week. That's, that's how low of a bar we were talking. Like there was no maxi or even Emmanuel quickly who could light you up in a couple of minutes. Like Davian Mitchell is not really that guy. Uh, I guess, you know, my guy Harrison Barnes, but no, really like, I think the Celtics, uh, without Rob Williams, you know, it's, they're, they're, they're going to feel that a lot. They're built to kind of I think put a bandaid on it with the guys they already have in the roster with Grant Williams and Tice who don't do the same things as Rob, but uh, are generally plus defenders. Grant Williams is a much better shooter than he was against the heat two seasons ago. Um, You know, Tice is food for Bam, but just in general, those guys are solid players. So they'll be, they'll be okay. Like their defense won't fall off a a cliff or anything, but it just makes them a lot less frightening as a playoff opponent where you had Rob Williams, not uh, like you had Horford as the kind of the, the, the traditional rim protector even though they switch everything and switch more than anybody uh, Rob Williams is more of a help and weak side type of guy like like Bam and Giannis kind of like what they do so I just think taking that out of what they do and knowing that you need that type of size to go up against some of the matchups that they, they'll probably need to go through to get to the finals like the Heat will be able to take advantage Like it's one less guy there that's just overwhelmingly it's I mean Rob Williams is the Celtics most athletic player like he's, it no just doubt. takes away so much for them. Like, although they might be fine, I just think like their playoff aspirations are probably, they come down a notch and they have to. Far,
2: he's played they, so good.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, even though he's not my depoy pick, it's going to make a difference. I think that he need to win tomorrow uh, for their own good. And I want to see what Brady was talking about, like, you know, having an extra shooter in the lineup, whether it's Gabe or Max and having more spaced out lineups like they did last night and how that looks versus a team that switches everything like the Celtics because it's going to get the heat into matchup hunting at some point and uh, just trying to find uh, ones that they can go at. And I think it's probably going to be easier for your best players to be the scorers that you want them to be if you have the proper space around them. So I'm feeling pretty good about it, but I'm still a little bit nervous about tomorrow. I
4: I want to sneak in that. Let's just hypothetically say – now that Robert Williams is not in there, their lineup, I guess, that they're going to go to a lot would probably go small with Derek White, Smart, Brown, Tatum, uh, and Horford. That speaks into what we were just talking about, that you can probably run a lot of Jimmy at the four against them. Like, if you're going small in that way, and they're small, is still lengthier than a lot of teams because uh, their guards are bigger. But it's just that I think that finding ways to put Jimmy at the four is going to be important. Like, I think there's a lot of series maybe against Milwaukee when you can't do it as much just because, you know, you have to kind of put them on Middleton at the three and they're going to play Giannis with Portis or Giannis with Lopez. Uh, that Boston just one of those teams that I'm interested to see how they match up fully healthy uh, because I think there are different avenues they could explore just lineup-wise.
2: Yeah, no, I think that that's a really good point about bringing up Jimmy at the four because I actually think that it's going to be one of the the bigger elements of the playoff run that maybe we didn't talk about all season. That's going to end up being a super uh, like a primary factor in what takes place on the court. Um, And I, I didn't necessarily see it coming, but I see them sizing down. So this'll, this'll help with one of the questions I'm sneaking in here. Um, This was from, okay, here we go. Can the heat win with the playing the small ball lineup? So, is it, it and it says can the heat win with Bam at the five? Bam's been playing at the five all season, um, and playing small ball lineup. So that's one of the questions, but I'm gonna sandwich that in together also with uh, a question about bear with me here as I get to it. Um, what other what are the likely changes Spo will make in the playoffs? Tyler starting drop coverage instead of switching. I think Brady, you kind of started to lean into some of these things. So, Alex, I'll go to you here um what what are you thinking about the jimmy at the four stuff and also do you think that that's likely a playoff me- a playoff mechanism that's now going to be a big uh, uh i mean i guess i just said it. i i think that it will be but what else do you think as we look ahead to the playoffs we can expect to see from uh the team adjustments wise
3: Oh, as far as Jimmy at the Four, I'm definitely a fan of it. It has a lot to do with what I was talking about just now as far as the shooting and more spacing in lineups and I'm a, I'm a fan. I think that's just one of the compromises they're going to have to make and just be very creative with the way that they dole out some of these lineups. Like I'm I, I think I'm kind of over the whole um, you know, playing their five their best five guys together for 9 minutes in a row. Like I just don't want to see it, man. I don't have faith that they're able to just throw that five out there even though it is their five best players and I like them all, respect what they do, the fit just hasn't been as good as you want it to be. Like, it's just, um, even though I think they can figure it out, whether it's this season or not, uh, they've been like, I think it's a negative 11 net rating with those five guys, even though most of it is in crunch time. I I, I don't think Spo is going to start um Tyler unless things go bad. Maybe I'm wrong about that because, like, I wouldn't have expected Goron to start in that bubble run. I thought he was just going to run Goran as a six man, and I was wrong about that. And I kind of view Tyler in that same way. I think Tyler's better suited as to be a six man than a starter right now, even though he's obviously more than a starter level player. I just think specifically for this team, he he's more optimized as a six man than, than as a starter. Um, adjustments, that's the part that I'm interested to see because Spo has run a lot, a lot of the same stuff throughout the season. I'm, I think it's going to be, this might be a cop-out answer, but it's going to be matchup based as far as the uh, adjustments. Because it's like, if we see anything change with the lineups, like if Deepo or Keefe gets playing time in any of these series, you know, it might not happen in another series. So it's hard to make a, a, a something declarative about it, adjustments because it, it might just go series to series as spot. Well. That's the type of team that they have. You know, you got 10, 11 rotation players, guys who are good at different things. And I'm wondering if the Jimmy at the four stuff um, kind of cuts down on Caleb's minutes too, because, you know, he's been the backup four, or are they just going to play in smaller lineups together? Are they going to commit to going small and trying to figure out lineups where uh, maybe Jimmy and Caleb don't play all that much together, but they're trying, they, they kind of have the guys that they know that they want to play with and just figure it out from there. And I, I don't know if Vic and Keith are a part of that. Although I would like to say if you're going to like what, another part of what they did last night that I think they're going to do moving forward is having Kyle and Bam in those uh, bench lineups together and kind of having, that type of staggering going on i would like to see depot in one of those units like i think having him run with kyle and bam and then maybe another shooter out there something like that w- would be interesting kind of give depot a little bit more space to do what he does playing in a faster paced offense but other than let that it i go. think they kind of set
2: let it go all the depots done dog um not not done forever but for this particular season i just don't see that that's going to be something no spot minutes think- Going nah, I'm not feeling it. I don't think that Markeith is gonna necessarily he's would be would get spot minutes before Oladipo would, I think. Um, just by virtue of the way the positions break down. Uh, and we're gonna talk a little bit more about some of that kind of stuff, the lineup changes, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that um I've heard related to that because they lean into the questions that our off-the-floor subscribers have provided us. So, thank you guys for. Um, inspiring this episode so more questions we're going to interact with you guys a little bit more in a moment but want to tell you about another great sponsor of the five reasons sports network and that's water cleanup of florida are you a south florida south florida property owner with an insurance claim dealing with a water mold fire damage issue looking for a reputable fully licensed insured and certified contractor Water Cleanup of Florida is here for you 24 hours a day. When a disaster strikes in your home or business, you need specialized, fast and reliable services. Water Cleanup of Florida understands the impact and stress an unpacked and unexpected disaster may cause. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, and their team is prepared to handle any size disaster. The guys are third-generation contractors in South Florida, so continuing to maintain their sterling reputation is extremely important to them. Their objective their objective is to make the cleanup and insurance claim process painless and hassle-free, and they really mean that. They reached out to me directly to really... Um, uh, to to make sure that I drove home the point that they really try to make the process as painless as it can be water cleanup of Florida is also a licensed building contractor. So they provide a to Z service, one-stop shopping for busy homeowners and business owners that uh, require that type of quick movement, one-stop shop, do it all. There's no need to bring in other contractors. They will handle it all for you. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell nine, five, four, five, seven, nine Oh three, five, six. Again, that's water cleanup of Florida nine, five four five seven nine zero three five six you can check them out at watercleanupflorida.com. if you got the schmutz they got the guts all right guys let's dive into a few more of these questions we're going to take some meteor ones um and uh so i'm I'm gonna throw a softball first to brady what's the best matchup for the heat out of the first round opponents
4: right now at this exact moment I don't think it's crazy to say Cleveland, like what's just happened to them over this recent time with, let's say Sexton and Ricky Ruby early in the season, Dean Wade went out for the season. Mobley twisted his ankle the other night, Markinen went out. the whole team is injured right now that if you catch them in an eight seed right now, I think that probably is uh best case scenario. But if they're going overall, I think Charlotte's right there. Like I just really, uh, I know Greg, you hinted at this before, and I know you want to cover them in, Uh, those playoff games, but I think that's just an easier matchup just because of the youth that they have. Uh, I think back to those games where they kind of just are able to handle them. They had one of their worst games of the season and still ended up winning right before all-star break. Uh, I would probably go one Cleveland, barely two Charlotte actually right now, just if these uh, injuries were the same. Uh, But I think ultimately with the way things are setting up, Toronto looks like they might know fully lock up the six pretty soon uh and i think that pretty much means
2: we lost brady for a second but he returns quick
4: basically basically i was just saying toronto gets the six uh brooklyn should be able to get the seven if they win the plan because if they're playing cleveland first of all they have Kyrie playing uh you're they're winning the in. like this isn't one of those things where oh it could be a battle down to the wire against toronto like if they're playing cleveland they're getting the seven that's why i think uh the worries about Miami's four game stretch isn't about anything other than, you know, the sideline altercation or anything. It was just about getting the one seed. Like it was just about, uh, I know some people say that it might not be that big of a deal just because of, you don't know where Brooklyn's going to land. But at this point in time, I think we can all pretty safely say we know where Brooklyn's going to land.
2: Yeah, no. And, um, it's interesting. Cause Charlotte beat them the other night, didn't they? Um, if I remember correctly, but tonight it looks Irish like
3: his home game,
2: right. Um, it's, so that's just an interesting whole uh, scenario that's playing out there at the bottom of the east do want to update everyone uh, Chicago got a victory over Washington as we're doing this show and Milwaukee beat um, the 76ers 118 116 when I turned that off to come up and record this show the 76ers were winning that game um, unless I am like, crazy i i think that they were up by quite a bit so that's a huge development there um let's get back to some of these questions um and we're we're almost going to wrap this here but i did want to give a couple of these to um alex alex so one who's your favorite uh one to eight uh eighth first round opponent but here's the other one I want to ask you because this was a question that was asked from one to eight what would be the perfect bracket from the east that Miami would need to get to the NBA finals and who would be the best matchup from the west that Miami could beat to win a championship so wrap in your your first round opponent with that question as well
3: so as far as the first round opponent I agree with Brady that uh, Cleveland with all their injuries, like if they're not going to have Jared Allen, they're not going to have Karis LeVert. If they're not going to have, I mean, they're not, you know, not that Dean Wade is a game changer, but without him and marketing, like all of a sudden all those seven footers that made him so unique to varying levels, you know, uh, are kind of all gone. Like I think Mobley's going to be back for the playoffs. I'm not hundred percent sure uh, he should be, but. I'm not afraid of Garland and Mobley. I think it's too early for them. They're not going to, they're not going to do anything. So Cleveland in the, in their current iteration, if not, I would have said the Hornets. Uh, I don't think they have a chance against the Heat. Like maybe, maybe they win one game. I don't think I could say that about any other team. Like I think even the Hawks have the, the, the opportunity or the potential, uh, I should say to sneak in like a game or two. I think, you know, they just have like Trey is just capable of creating offense all the time. And we saw them put together a run last season. So, yeah, I'm, I'm taking uh, the Cavs or the Hornets there. The Hawks would be nice too. just stay away from the Raptors and the Nets for different reasons, but I don't – not that they would lose to the Raptors, but I just think that would tire the, tire them the hell out even if they do come out like I would expect them to. So, I think one of those three would be nice, any one of them really, like even if it is Atlanta. As far as the rest, the perfect uh bracket for the Heat, if they are the one seed, I'm putting – uh, that means they go they go up against four or five in the second round, which means uh, I would put the Celtics and the Sixers there. I will put the the I'm sorry, not the Celtics and the Sixers, the Sixers and the Bulls. I messed that up. <laughs> but uh, uh, I think the Bulls would be a very easy matchup for the heat, you know, respect yeah. the guys that they have. Those guys will be able to put up buckets when things get tough in the playoffs. I just don't think they have enough defensively. I think the heat will be able to go out a lot there um, as far as what the what the Bulls have to offer. So I think you would hope that you get them in the second round. If not, you get the Sixers. It's tough, man. Like Harden and Embiid are really good players. I've said it before. I think the Heat have enough to throw out there against both of those guys. And especially when you talk about the different coverages that you could throw at them, uh, the fact that there's an endless amount of guys, I mean, not specifically for Embiid, but just in general, the the type of defensive talent that the Heat have, I think I, I would feel good about. Forcing the Sixers into a, a second round collapse like Harden and Bede and Doc are so used to, it. I think it's just you're, you're keeping them in their comfort zone. <laughs> so that's my second round, and then the conference finals. Like really, you're probably going to see the Celtics of the Nets. So I don't really have a preference there. I, I mean, I mean, Jesus Christ, I keep messing up. The Bucks are the Nets. You're probably going to see in the conference finals. From that point, whoever has uh, survived, I would rather see the Nets than the Bucks. But uh, that's that's the one for me. And, and when it comes to the West? I'm sorry, this is, this is a loaded question, man.
2: It, it is. You can just fire off one team from the West. You don't have to break them down because we, the we got man. a lot of – we got we to gotta get through a lot of other teams.
3: <laughs> which, which is the easier matchup for the Heat, right? That was the question?
2: Yeah. Or what would be the best from? path for them to win the championship out of those teams that are there? <sighs>
3: It's the Lakers you. win the play and make a run. Right,
2: that's best case right. scenario. Oh, yeah. That would work. I actually, if you're telling me it's golden state fully healthy, Memphis fully healthy, or Phoenix fully healthy, they have the best chance of beating Memphis, I think.
3: Oh, well, that's that's for sure. I'm, I'm you saying know what I mean so if I we're was going- thinking between the Golden State and Phoenix, and I think I'm gonna choose who I would prefer if I'm the Heat, Phoenix. And it's really tough because they've been the best team all season. The Heat switch a lot. Aiden is not one that you want to switch against, like he'll probably kill most of those uh mismatches and in- I just think the Heat in general are kind of built to, if they're doing what they're supposed to be doing on defense, sticking to their identity, constantly helping, not letting the teams get certain switches and not, you know, just uh, letting them get to what they want to. I think the, the the Suns are the better team to go up against. I think you can kind of neuter uh, Booker and Paul a little bit easier than you can some of what the Warriors have to offer because they've got so much stuff going on with their playbook. And I just think I, I'm, I'm more afraid of Steph as – you know, him by himself than I am of anybody on the Suns. And I respect the hell out of them. But I, I, I think they look like the old Warriors before KD, except now they have like a Jordan Poole coming off the bench. They're a little younger. You know, I I, I give me the Suns, man. I don't want to go up against the healthy Warriors.
2: Yeah, it, it was not lost on me that Alex Toledo just used the word neutered in the, in the midst of his take there. So we're not going to avoid that one uh I, i'm gonna clean up a few of these other questions and and address them myself and then we're gonna stop with one of the biggest ones and then we'll close uh one was victor oladipo's relationship with lowry jimmy and bam and why did the heat wait to wait so long to bring him back that was a completely uh that was a group decision. They didn't like wait. And Oladipo um, may have thought he was ready earlier at certain moments, but then there were moments where he didn't feel as great, etc. That there's nothing to look at through there. He has a good relationship with everyone, but I think that it was a pretty much consensus in the locker room that right now is not the moment to integrate Victor Oladipo, particularly with the things that he does well and what they would need to do to shift the offense. Um, so I wouldn't read too much in anything there other than they're just doing what's best for the team at this moment. Um, another question that was brought up is, um, is this season just an anomaly with Jimmy and Spo, or is this something that could lead to an eventual breakup? And if anything else behind the scenes that happened could be an issue. Uh, so this is what I'll say here. And this is on the heels of a Brian Windhorst report that he is not sure about the fresh about the future of Jimmy Butler in Miami. Um, and from what I've gathered, from what Ethan has gathered, he and I spoke today, uh, we're kind of at this place with Jimmy Butler, y'all like, um, it's going to come down to winning and success and team success. And if the team has success, everything will be gravy. And if the team doesn't have success, uh, this could go in a bunch of different directions. And I think everyone acknowledges that. Um, So that's the reality of the situation right there. Um, It doesn't mean that I think that they, that they're not a hundred percent aligned in any way, but lose just, you know, losing multiple times, eventually that's going to get old. So that's what to watch for is team success as it relates to that. Um, And then here is our last one, y'all deep dive on hero's role on the team for the future he's transitioned from being a trade asset to being a potential cornerstone alongside bam ethan has mentioned this nightmare scenario y'all know the nightmare scenario alex do you know it maybe he hasn't thrown it at you yet uh where where um, hero balls out in the playoffs but it's an early exit so now he's like this primary trade ship that's looked great um, and the enticing nature of having a player who comes off a great playoff run, but you get exited early. So you have to make changes. Um, so just really quickly, because this deserves more time than we're going to give it. So I just, I'd love to hear your, um, your thought on, is it uh, possible to change this team, but keep Tyler hero around and is it realistic to keep him if um, If they indeed look to make changes or is he inevitably going to be a goner? In your opinion, Alex Toledo,
3: I definitely don't think he's inevitably going to be a goner. Like, I think we've kind of gone past that point. I think maybe we would have thought that last offseason, like when Ethan was reporting that there was a pretty good chance. I think he said 75 percent chance the hero will be gone like obviously the other 25% happened and now he's just taking that ruthless
2: dog. You bringing up the receipts of the percentages.
3: (laughs) Hey man, I'm just, I'm just reiterating what Ethan said. And to to me, like that's the other 25% happened. Like it just, that he didn't see a trade that was out there. And now that he got a lot better it ended up working out for them.
2: The other 25%
3: (laughs) it's it's, hey, that I think that's how it works. I think that's how percentages work. (laughs) Uh, you know, and now he's gotten into, into like the, the person who asked the question said he's, he looks like a, like a cornerstone of the team. And I don't know, man, it's going to get tricky. I I don't think they want to move him. I, I I don't think that's what they're going to be looking to do. And I don't know if you're trying to hint at like, Oh, is it possible that they keep him and maybe at some point try to trade Jimmy? I'm not, I'm not getting into any of that type of stuff. Hey, Uh, listen.
2: Hey, I'll just I'll stop you right there. If this flames out this playoff season, I think it's far more likely Jimmy Butler were were to be traded than Tyler Hero. That's just my personal opinion, not sourced information. That's my personal gut feeling. Brady, do you have? I didn't mean to cut you off, Alex. So if you got more, finish it out and then we'll go to Brady and we're closing.
3: I mean, I don't, there's no clear answer. I think Tyler is definitely a part of the team's plans, but like, let's say they they have a nice playoff run. Maybe they don't get to the finals. They lose in the second, you know, to a, I don't know, like a, a team that maybe you, you give them some headway for losing to. It's very competitive series. It's not embarrassing in any way. And maybe, you know, like what if it, it, that scenario where like a guy like Donovan Mitchell becomes available and that's, that's when you move Tyler, right? I think that's the type of scenario where he becomes available. I don't think the heat make one of those types of trades this summer. If I had to guess right now, like obviously this is way before any playoff run and knowing, not knowing what's going to happen in the playoffs. So things are, can change. I would more expect something uh, more towards the margins. And what I mean by that is trading Duncan. <laughs>
2: I'm, I'm glad that you clarified that. You know, that, I'm not that, a Trey Duncan guy. Because that's, that's, that's happening, y'all. We're going to have a, a fun draft like and free agency because that's taking place. Brady, final thoughts here on all of that stuff related to Tyler and is this something where we're going to get stuck giving up a player that we really have high hopes for? I'm growing fond of the Tyler Bam idea going forward. So I'm putting that out there into the atmosphere quote me on that Brady how do you feel
4: yeah I think in that nightmare situation like the way it happens is first of all if they lose in the first round I think that's the main idea or second of all they get like swept in the second round like anything other than that there's just no way in my opinion like it just feels like if you compare the Tyler to Jimmy thing like I think we're at the point where we had these debates about which way do they go do they go the veteran way do they go the young way I think we, everybody can pretty much agree that the Tyler Bam era uh, is the way to go with this team. Like it just frankly is like, if you get a certain guy around them and you can keep Bam and everybody, because obviously they're keeping Bam, but then obviously you do it. But other than that, you're just, you're building around Tyler and Bam from this point on. And I know we just went in a really negative direction because we're basically just predicting them flaming out in the early first round of the podcast. And by the way, Greg, you were the host of a one word going in this direction, which is just unlikely and just not on par. But this has
2: happened a lot lately. Like I've been (laughs) negative, like and people have called me out. They say that I'm gutless, et cetera. This is one of the first times and I'm not going to take us down this road very long that the uh, that the access to Intel has impacted my my um, experience as a fan be dead ass honest. Um, and so that's why I've been a little bit more pessimistic, but it's exciting that things appear to be turning around. I loved all the smiles and people tagging me and photos of Jimmy smiling by the bench. I love all that. And I think that they do have a path to turn this thing around. Um, fellas final thoughts. And then we're closing.
4: Yeah. I think this also, this Tyler conversation ties into what we were saying at the playoffs, because let's just say that stuff does happen. Like just the, the negative direction they're not going to go that route and not try in a playoff series to plug Tyler Hero into the starting lineup. Like you just do not go out that way with that being your sixth man. Uh, Struce being the starter, I think is, you know, permanent for now, like over these next maybe week or two, because I think they're just trying to get a different look throughout this regular season. But come playoff time, I don't think Max Struis is in your rotation. So that also doesn't mean I don't think they go right back to Duncan Robinson. And the way I was looking at it was that this Tyler conversation could be coming a lot quicker, but I also want to throw out another name that I would not be surprised, and I'm not saying it's going to be at the beginning of the playoffs, but I think at one point, you're going to see Gabe Vincent possibly in the starting lineup, maybe next to Kyle Laird, just to try it out. I don't know if it has enough spacing, and I think that's just the one question because it does, can it work offensively? But the point is that you want to play your best nine or the nine that you want to play. And among that nine is those five that I just mentioned off the bench, you'd have Tyler, Duncan, Caleb, and Dedman. And that's pretty much the nine you kind of want to to roll with that. I don't know which way they go about it. Maybe they go back to the Duncan thing, but the way that they kind of just went this route out of nowhere and they're trying to figure stuff out. If Duncan continues to play well off the bench, I just can't see them going back to it. that. I think they'd be more willing to shift Tyler or somebody else of that sort in a playoff series uh, at some point, but also, you know, Ethan mentioned this before, it's kind of the card where you're down two to one and you kind of go to that, that feels little bit more likely but uh that's kind of where i stand out that i think there's a lot more adjustments to be had and i have a feeling that spo has more adjustments this season in the playoffs than he's ever had like he's been able to he's had to showcase a lot because he's had to use different players but he hasn't showcased a lot in terms of changing things like he's changed players
2: so but they've
4: been changed in the same role like you're putting max Struce in for duncan robinson you're putting gabe Vincent in for kyle lowry right Mm -hmm. so That's kind of where I stand on it, that I'm really – I think this could be one of the most interesting Eric Spolscher playoff runs. Like if – aside from the the bench stuff, because I know that will be looked as an Eric Spolstra playoff run that happened after the bench altercation. uh, But I just feel like he has so much up his sleeve because there's a lot more weapons on this team than he's had in recent years.
2: Love that point. We're going to do a whole show on the best Eric Spolstra playoff runs. Mark that down um just to wrap this up uh and thank everyone who made it to the end of this this is longer than we normally go for five on the floor but ethan ain't here so while the uh mouse is away the cats play or how uh, cats away the mouse play i don't know how there's there's a saying out there that goes like that i'm probably showing my age um max drew starting that was a direct ask of uh Jimmy buckets so um, I think that that is something worth monitoring and it also was just as I'll reiterate a consensus that um, that the Ola Depot stuff kind of moved to the background um, I in here I'll close with this because I asked Ethan this question I didn't get an answer yet when does Tyler start getting consulted on these things when the max contract hits then like you bring Tyler into the room and you ask him about the starting lineup and stuff like that. Cause right now it was Kyle Bam and Jimmy. Uh, I think that that's funny to close with. Anyway, you don't need to answer that question. Thank you for joining us. What's up?
3: Does he come to the room wearing shades?
2: Of course. Of course that uh, drip.
3: Um, Can't imagine what the the shades in the the office. Riley will
2: have on shades, you killing me? Like I I feel like Riley's digging all that Uh, as long as he's in the gym and in the weight room. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Ethan will be back the rest of the week, so this will be much more organized. Thank you to our sponsors. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network.
0: Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for 4 dollars each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card.